guide or a teacher last night, you might want to take a moment and call them into the room and notice where they are in relation to you. Or if you have another aspect of higher power <coughs> that you like to work with, you're welcome to call that in as well. But it's not necessary. And I wonder if you can sense or feel or imagine that this guide or teacher or yourself can generate a nectar or an elixir from your body that is exactly what the critic or the judge really needs. That there's a nectar or an elixir that gets generated. Your body might dissolve and generate it. It might pour out of your heart or your hands or your eyes. It might come from your guide or teacher or aspect of higher power. That there's a nectar or an elixir that gets generated that's exactly the quality of what the critic or the judge authentically needs. And see if you can notice what the quality of that nectar or elixir is. As a color, what its viscosity is. And it moves toward the critic or the judge. And they're able to receive it or take it up. They might drink it or eat it. It might absorbed through the covering of their body or be poured over them or into the top of their head? How are they able to receive this which they actually authentically need? And there's an infinite supply of exactly what they really need. So noticing how they take it up, how they take it in, how they receive it, the quality of exactly what they really need. And they can receive this to their complete satisfaction. To drink or eat or receive to their complete satisfaction exactly what they really need. Infinite supply. And as they are able to receive this, as they are able to uptake exactly what they really need. Notice what happens to them. Do they change? Do they become? Do they change size? Do they change quality? Do they change form? Do they dissolve? What happens to them? as they receive exactly what they really need. And being able to receive, to drink, to eat, to their complete satisfaction. An infinite supply. Noticing what's happening. to the critic or judge as it receives exactly what it really most deeply needs. 
and as it becomes satiated or satisfied, and there's an infinite supply, noticing what happens as it becomes satisfied, as it fully takes in exactly what it really needs. What happens to its form? And then we want to ask it a question. So, if it has changed form, we're going to ask it a question. If it has dissolved or disappeared, we're going to ask the question in a slightly different way. So we want to ask for an ally to appear, a helper, an ally to appear. If the critic or the judge has changed form, we want to ask, are you my ally? And if it's not, we can just let the nectar take it to its, to the place of its own evolution. If it is the ally, we're going to notice its form. If it disappeared, we want to ask for the ally to appear. And when the ally comes, we want to notice what its form is. Doesn't have to make any sense. And so you might notice the size of the ally or the transformed critic. You might notice if it has a gender, the gender might have changed. Notice what the covering of its body is, what its density is. What's its character or personality like? What's the character or personality of the ally, the helper? And what's the look in its eyes? And now I'm wondering if you can stand up again and step into the energy of the ally or helper. So see if you can stand up and step into the energy of the ally or helper and face where you're sitting and notice what it feels like to be in the energy of the ally. And also notice how the ally sees you. How do you look in your ordinary self to the ally? And then we want to ask the ally some questions, and you're going to finish these sentences as if you were the ally. How I will help you is, 
finish that sentence. How I will help you is, or I will help you by, I will help you by, and the next sentence to be completed, I will protect you by, doesn't have to make any sense, I will protect you by, the ally makes a pledge to you, my pledge or vow to you is, I pledge to fill in the blank. Or I vow I will blank. That's the pledge or vow the ally makes to you. And how you can connect with me is, and finish that sentence. You can connect with me by, and when you're ready, come back into your regular seat again. With the ally, in front of you and I wonder if you can sense or feel or imagine that the ally, the energy of the ally pours into your body that the ally is offering their life energy to help you ally pours energy into your body it may enter into your heart or through your eyes or the top of your head or your belly and the energy of the ally flows all the way down to the soles of your feet and the tips of your fingers and the top of your head every system every organ every cell of your body receiving from the ally. And perhaps you can sense or feel or imagine that the ally dissolves into light and that light pours into your body, integrating and infiltrating every cell, illuminating. transforming, healing. And that then your body dissolves into light. And you might notice if there's a color light that your body dissolves into. And you can rest a moment in stillness. And when you're ready, bring your awareness back into your body. And it might be helpful to write down your experience in your journal if you choose to do that.
Hello and welcome to Spiritual Psychology. My name is Renee McKenna and I'm a therapist and healer in San Francisco. Today we're going to take a journey to an aspect of the Divine Feminine, the Great Mother, the Great and Ancient Tree, the Tree of Life that's available to all of us here on Earth. It's an aspect of the Earth energy that has only our highest good in mind. So take a moment and get settled. And when you're ready, I wonder if you can sense or feel or imagine that there's a path or a stairway in front of you. And this path or stairway leads to a very safe, beautiful, and sacred place in nature. Notice what the path or stairway is made out of. Is it wood or stone? cement or earth. Notice if it goes up or if it goes down. And begin to travel along it. Notice if it's day or night. You might notice if you can hear anything, smell anything. Notice any creatures or other things along the way. And not too far up ahead, you see some kind of a transition. It might be a doorway or an arch, some kind of a change. And you pass through that transition, and on the other side, you enter into a beautiful and lush very peaceful and sacred place in nature. Before you, you see a great tree. Its branches are thick and strong. They spread high into the sky. Its ancient trunk has deep roots under the ground below your feet, spread in all directions, anchoring it firmly to the earth. Notice what's around the tree, what's its setting. And as you approach the tree, you can feel its wisdom, its compassion, its awareness of you, and it's very glad that you have come. The great tree has been waiting for you. This is an aspect of your own true home. Your spirit can rest here. In fact, you can do whatever you want here. You can explore. You can lay down. You can climb or lean against the tree. 
whatever feels like the right thing to do. But open your heart, open your body, open to really feel the connection with this great mother. the resources of wisdom, strength, guidance, renewal. She is a resource and a source. Grounded, growing, always available. Available for compassion, guidance, strength, ancient knowledge. See what feels like the right thing to do. And just allow yourself to be in this presence and receive. Receive what wants to be given to you right now. Receive in your body, in your mind, your emotions, your spirit, and your energy system. You are a child of the earth. And the tree of life is an aspect of your own true nature. See if there's anything that wants to be communicated or offered or done right now. Anything to receive or to release in this place. You're welcome to stay here as long as you want. When you're ready, just travel the path back that brought you here. And bringing back with you the connection with this vital and sacred aspect of the Great Mother, the Divine Feminine. of the earth. Blessings on your path.
Hi, and welcome to Spiritual Psychology, session number three. My name is Renee McKenna, and we're going to start by doing a little grounding and setting our intentions for the day. So just taking a moment and putting your feet on the floor, you can be sitting or standing and just really dropping into the body. You might want to roll your shoulders and flex your knees and fingers, toes. which sucks, especially when you're doing comedy. Comedy pays a lot of drink tickets, you know? So I, like, now I've had to do like only paid shows, so no offense, but you guys have to put at least $1 uh, towards, this, towards this pregnancy. <laughs> but yeah, so now I'm starting to treat myself with respect for the first time ever, feeling great. Um, but my baby takes a lot of credit, I think, for things. Uh, people, are, people are like, you, you know, you look good. Things look good for you. You know, you got your, your hair looks nice. You're, you're glowing or whatever. You got that pl pregnancy glow. And I'm like, this is not a pregnancy glow. This is me swatting away whiskey cocktails and lines of cocaine at every party. This is me putting in the hard work. This baby is not fucking doing anything except for floating around in fucking, I don't even know what. It seems like a chill existence. Meanwhile, I'm cleaning my house with no Adderall. Fucking boring. <laughs> I've had to switch to podcasts. Ugh. That's what sober people do. They just, they switch to podcasts. <laughs> so stupid. I don't know. It's cool though. It's cool. I'm uh my my kid is due on
skin. I got you under my skin. I got you under my skin. I got you under my skin. There is no comprehension. There is real isolation. There is so much destruction. What I want is a celebration. And I know. Radio Comedy Festival 2019. Make some motherfucking noise right now. <laughs> Woo! Welcome to this part of the show. Uh, my name is Mike, Mike Evans, and this is a show called 23 and Meh. Um, I forget what the, what the reference is, uh, Pam. 23 and Me is the dating website. 23 and Me is the thing where you swab your face and find out what race you are. Oh, shit. <laughs> Damn. Well, I picked a really great show to wear the I'm So White button on right now. I uh, I doubt that I am actually white just because cops like to stop me all the time. People walk across the street when they see me. I don't know. I don't know why. I haven't showered in a couple months. That might be why. But I think it is a racial thing. Um, <laughs> so tonight in the show, we have a really dope lineup. We have... Uh, fucking Jaron George. We have Molly Shero and Ben Warren. It's gonna be really dope. But for now, you're gonna listen to my face talk for a second. Um, so I work at a middle school, which is kind of fun because everybody at a middle school is just as problematic as we all wish we could still be. Um, middle school kids and old ass people in retirement homes all talk with absolutely no filter. And um, they're just mean, mean as shit. Um, I have little friends, though. I have a friend named Sarah who uh, I thought was a really cool person until she told me this really mean prank she pulled on a child named, uh, thing with a fake name, named Dan. So basically, in middle school, having a crush on a person is like the biggest fucking thing in your life. And uh, basically, Sarah knew that Dan liked her. Sarah told Dan, she was like, hey, Dan, do you like me? And Dan was like, yeah. And Sarah was like, hey, do you want to go out with me? Do you want to be boyfriend and girlfriend? And Dan was like, yeah, hell yeah. And Sarah was like, psych, you are an ugly bitch. I would never date you. (laughs) (laughs) Which is, it's funny, but it's so horrible for Dan because I had to see him cry and shit. And um, yeah, that's the first time I punched a little kid in the face. I punched Sarah right in the face. Um, if you're wondering why I do stand-up comedies, because I got fired as a teacher at a middle school. Um, for punching a kid in the face. Apparently you can't do that anymore. Not like the old days, right? 
that's what all old people say like oh back in my day you know i used to get punched by my slave master i'm like mom you're not you're not that old you're not that old at all 23 and me i don't know <laughs> trying to think where my lineage might go back to very curious thomas jefferson is always like a maybe because you know he had sex with slaves and shit um I feel like it'd be really cool to find out if I was Asian American. Be really happy. What's up, man? How you doing? It's cracking. Good. Here at the 23andMe show. It's a very diverse audience of white people. And uh, one black guy. Two of us. Both wearing green jackets. We knew <laughs> we knew we had to color coordinate with the jean jackets and black vans. It's how we stand in solidarity. We're running away from angry mobs. Uh, the first time I figured out that I was black was, uh, I was jacking off and, um, I always thought jacking off was like a weird, like rolling dice motion. But for me, it was like, I was unclogging a toilet. It was this giant, it's a giant penis joke. <laughs> More giant penis jokes. Um, first time I got an erection, I passed out cause it was just so long. It was just protruded. Just, it was about... About this, you know, I was just knocking people over and shit. And it was just really terrible for, it was a really bad Thanksgiving because that's the first time I had it. And all my family was like, what's going on? Why are you flipping the table over? Because <laughs> like, I'm black, dad. You don't understand. <laughs> man. I'm at that age now. Uh, oh, shit, Spencer. What's up, man? How you doing? Good, good, good. I'm just telling jokes. Talking about my dad. Feel free to walk in. Well, not free. Just feel, feel to walk in. Yep. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> should come in, man. Should come in. Take a seat. It's all nice. It's $10. Tackle him. Tackle him now. No, just kidding. <laughs> that is the bouncer with the nice thriller jacket on. It's pretty fucking awesome. But anyway, my dad... Um. He's, uh, I haven't seen him in a while. Uh, knock, knock. <laughs> Not my father. Um, <laughs> nah, he's a cool guy. He's, he's all right. Um, first time I caught him watching porn was, uh, was in seventh grade. Uh, he tried to play it off, though. I was like, hey, Dad, you know, what are you looking at at three in the morning? There was just women in bikinis just all lined up on this website he was looking at. And he was like, oh, Mike, you know... It's just, see the way these girls are dressed? I, I, I just would never want anyone to dress like that. I'm like, that's really what you're fucking thinking right now? At two in the morning, you're just judging, reassessing your morals and shit? Yeah. Like father, like son. Father, like son. I do watch a lot of porn. I watch a lot. Uh, it's weird to say I watch a lot of incest porn because... <laughs> Because they're actors, you know what I mean? They're, they're actors, like, you know they're not actually related to each other, right? I mean, that's, that's the fun end. I just, you know, put it on mute. I hate, you know, when porn stars are fucking and then they, they get way too under the character, right? You know what I'm saying? They keep saying shit like, oh, we're going to be grounded for this. I'm like, no, stop. Stop saying that. It's not true. Don't want to come at that weird part. I really don't. I got to fix the Wi-Fi in my house. I keep coming when it's on, like, pause. 
And it's like, it's still, you know, uh, busting a nut is busting a nut, but you, you always want to like gear it towards something. Right? How much time do I have left as a host before I just keep <laughs> grilling myself? Oh. Sorry. Cool. Sorry. Um, porn again. Porn, porn, porn. Oh, porn. I feel like I spend too much time looking for the video than like when I actually like watching the video. I don't know if that's a problem anybody else has. No? Exactly. But, then, when, but you, when you've watched damn near every video, it's kind of like, fuck. Like, you're just searching for a very long time. Like, I get to the point where I'm like, I'm like tab 23 on the Google search thing, which... <laughs> at that point, it's like unrelated. There's like other shit. It's like, guess what Aziz and Sorry wore yesterday? It's like, ah, oh, I guess I'll check off to this. <laughs> tab 23. It's weird. When I looked up my own name <laughs> on, uh, on Pornhub, I was just curious. <laughs> Never know. Could have been somebody in my closet with a camera and shit. Luckily, I didn't pop up. Other people have the name Mike Evans. It's a very common name. But the football player actually did pop up. They, like, photoshopped his head on another person fucking somebody else. And I was like, that's how famous I want to be. That even if I don't make a sex tape, people are like, I want to see his face fuck this grandmother. You know what I mean? Just letting it all out. I'm going to end with this. <laughs> I don't know where I started, but uh, I don't know. I feel like fucking old women would be really a lot of fun. Like, like old, old, like just like, why are you on the bus old? Like who lets you out the house old? <laughs> You know, because I, I just feel like the, their throats are, like, elastic. Like, you don't know. You know what I mean? I'm just saying, you, you don't know where, like, the vagina begins and the neck ends. Just, it's, it's all folds that are all equally as wet. <laughs> just all the way down. And that's where I want to be. I'm tired of these awful blowjobs where I can feel throat. I just want to feel Play-Doh. I want to feel mush. I want to feel warm oatmeal. I'm sorry I never met you before making complete eye contact. This is great. This is really great. Um, shit, 23 and me, 23 and me, old people porn, throat. Um, I don't think I should have pets. Never had a pet before, never had a dog, which really pains me a lot. I, I'm the type of person to see other people's dogs and freak out. Be like, oh, hey, can I touch your dog? And then it's not even a joke. It's just how I feel about dogs. Yeah. Well, <laughs> shit. <laughs> we have about 45 seconds until your first comedian comes to the stage. Everybody, I would like you to take a big, deep breath and go. And then breathe out. One more time. And breathe out. And that's enough time to kill that 45 seconds. So your first comedian coming to the stage is a person I think I've met before, but I'm not completely sure. Hopefully they're funny. Everybody give it up for Jaron George. Oh, shit. Surprise, motherfucker, yeah. Black to black. What are the odds? 
what were the odds? With that name, you didn't even know, right? Yeah, you didn't even know. Yeah, you don't even know. Mm-mm. Yeah, man. We we had so much in common. Well, first, uh, these are green. They're olive green. They had the black shit. No, no, this is cool. It's cool. The lighting. I understand. Um, and uh, the dad, um, the dad joke. I was just like, oh man, yeah, both. Of them. And then you start talking about your dad, like you see them around. I was like, oh damn it, we don't have everything. Could have shared some. Yeah, you're like the second. There's another black comic in Portland, and he has like positive dad jokes. So I was like, we could have shared something too. And I came down here. And, oh man, <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's cool. Oh man, I'm having flashbacks here. I miss being in uh, San Francisco. I wasn't I wasn't 23, but um, you know I was I was young and I felt you know I needed to be here because you know the weed. I I mentioned this the whole festival. Yes, I um, love the weed here and uh, the East Coast. Like we had to smoke it in the basement. You know, like like no daylight. Uh, but like the West Coast, I remember smoking in the Golden Gate Park. I mean, the cops were like smiling at you, just walking by, it was great. But like in the East Coast, uh, cause I'm from New York, um, when my friend has weed, we had to go to a secret place. And I'm talking about his grandmother's place in New Jersey. <laughs> Newark, New Jersey. That's the only place we could have smoked weed because he felt like it was safe. So you gather us around in the living room and go like, hey guys, gather around, gather around. We got some marijuana, okay? All right, no, we can't smoke here. My, my grandmother's sleeping upstairs. And anyway, we had to go to the bathroom. All five of us had to squeeze into the bathroom. Yeah, right, yeah, you know, this is, yeah, it reminds me back in college days. We're like, yeah, we're going to the bathroom. And then he's like, all right, it's safe. And then he takes out a list, a list of jobs for us to do. He has like a checklist of things for us to do. So he's just like, all right, Chris, and um, so, so we don't get caught. So he's telling um, my friend like, hey, Chris, turn on the hot and cold water in the bathtub and in the sink, okay? Make sure it's running, okay? Dennis, lock the windows, okay? Make sure it's closed. I don't know why we had to lock the windows but in the first place. I really don't know why, but he was just like, um, oh, and hey, and, and Derek, I need you to put a towel under the door, okay? But before we put a towel under the door, Jaron, I need you to go outside in the living room, go down the hallway, make a left, go upstairs, the first door on the right, check on my grandmother, make sure she's okay. <laughs> make sure there's water by her bedside. Um, if she's shivering, put like a second layer and report back to us, please. You guys, I live in Portland now. I smoked with the male, um, the male guy uh, a couple days ago. It was great. I, this is what I live for. I, I don't want to go back. Don't say it. I'm, I'm going back in April, and I, I, I just want to make sure weed is um, accessible. A bar got closed down because they smelled weed in upstate New York. They were like, I, we smell. Cl- Shut down the music. Stop. DJ, stop. Everyone. Where's the weed smell? Um, who's, who's smoking the weed? And everyone's just like, no one was saying anything. Like, we're not putting on the music. We're gonna stop the flow of our, um, our flow of our profits. So find out who's smoking weed. Who? Just weed, man. I, close down. The, man, I'm just ranting about. Oh, I ordered a burrito. I forgot. I gotta get my burrito. <laughs> Fuck. I, I, I need to hear me say it. I, you were out there. I was just like, tell him it was the black, the black guy with the cheetah collar. He ordered a burrito. Just tell him. Just confirm it's me. Like, who would say that? You know, just say, tell him. Okay. Damn. It was my second burrito coming back here. That's what I want to. 
talk about hey this is a nice crowd you know um maybe because i'm a little bit high but like uh when i see a good crowd i always like pretend i want to pull off a heist you know like um you know like oceans 11 i just want to pick like the people if i if i was to make like a almost identical movie i would let's see let me see yeah, Ben, uh, I want you to be, like, the getaway driver, all right? Like, you're the tough guy, getaway driver. You were in the Marines and everything. Yeah, man. Right on, okay? You're my hacker, all right? It's the hat. Yeah, you're just, like, low-key. Found you in a coffee shop. You were, like, hacking casinos. I was like, well, you want to pull the big crimes, okay? I'm going for the government, you know? Hell yeah, baby! Yo, clap for this miracle just now, man. Fuck yes. Oh, damn. This is San Francisco burrito? Shit. Okay. Damn, they have to put a plate to support it. Shit. All right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, you get a part, all right, man? Like, um, you're like the, um, oh, I already said hacker. Damn. Oh, damn, this is hard pick, right? No, 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 I'm going to keep you as the hacker. Okay, all right. Since the um, yeah, you're the stylist guy. You got the, the you got the jacket. You know how to dress. Make sure like we're hitting the clubs undercover. You know what us first to wear. Like, I would get it. Yeah, yeah, you got that part. All right, I I can't be like all the jobs, but you would be the only black dude in my my. Yeah, you know this. We need to relate. You know, I gotta have. Yeah, it's a true story. I had like a lot of my black friends asked to be in my crew, and I was I I swear I I, was, I told them I was like, hey, I can't have too many. <laughs> you know, like. Because, like, if it goes well, listen, if it goes well, I want to go straight to movie theaters, not straight to BET. You know, I just say, I could say it. Okay. It's the truth. Um, oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, you said you used to work with kids. Um, I've been called uh, Mr. G at this elementary school. And um, I didn't, um, yeah, I, ooh, I wanted to, but I, I couldn't work with middle school kids because they would just pick me up, like, uh, excuse me, and just move me out of the way. Like, detention. Oh, okay. No detention. Yeah. But um, kids are nosy uh, because uh, I remember tying this uh, first grade, uh, t uh, his uh, shoes. His name was Ethan. I never met an adult named Ethan, by the way. <laughs> right? Anyone? I never. Okay. So I was tying his shoes, right? And then, like after I tied his shoes, he was like, oh, man, thank you, Mr. G. And I was like, you're welcome, buddy. And he was like, oh, Mr. G, Mr. G. I saw you. Like, just deadpan. Like, there's no, like, anything. And I was like, um, yeah, buddy, I'm here. You saw me, right? I'm here. Mr. G's in the house, in the school. And he was like, no, no, I saw you at Safeway the other day. And I was thinking, I don't go to the Safeway by the school. I go to the one in my neighborhood, you know, like all the way across town. That's, that's Mr. G's Sunday afternoon, you know? And I was like, I was like oh, okay, buddy, that, that, that's cool. And I played off. When you, sometimes I would see a kid and they, um, like, um, hopefully it's not like where I don't want them to see me, but like, they would go like, oh, hi, Mr. G. And I'm like, oh, hey, buddy. And I don't know their names. And I had to look at the parent. I'm just like, I work for the school. Okay, here's my ID, okay? Because they're gonna walk away with the kid and just like, who's that black man you were talking to? Who was he, you know? Um, so this kid was just getting really detailed. Uh, and I just wanted to like go and play. I was like, go go play, Ethan, that's great. Yeah, I was at Safeway. Mr. G needs his groceries, you know? And then he was just like, oh, you were in the frozen food section. That was aisle eight. You, were, had a, you only had a shopping cart. You looked like you were by yourself. The only thing in your sh shopping cart was a frozen pizza. And I was like, okay, buddy, that's enough, all right? And then he was like, Mr. G, Mr. G, one more thing. Um, do you always cry in the parking lot before you drive away? And I was like, oh, okay, buddy. 
you don't know my problems, Ethan. Move along, you know? Move along. Um, uh, little secret, um, I got high on 9-11. On, on oh, sorry, not that 9-11, the past 9-11. We're on the same page, right? Okay. <laughs> You ever got high and you um, and you go to the grocery store and like it's not a good idea. I you know usually I have food ready for me at home, but like uh, I was really hungry and I wanted some taquitos, so I go and um, I was really there's two brands. There's one with good quality taquitos. There's one with a lot of taquitos. So I took both and uh, went to the cashier. Thank you. Life choices and um, went to the cashier and he rung up my stuff and I was um, I was um, I was just like not really uh, looking at him and then he was just like, all right, your change came out to be 9-11. And then right there, I stopped, my heart stopped, and I look at the American flag right above his head and I thought about the love I had for this country. <laughs> and I walked away with my bags and then um, he was like, sir, sir, don't forget. And before he said your change, I was like, I will never forget. <laughs> okay? I'm an American. How dare you? Where's the manager? I want to talk to your manager. Um, in, uh, in Portland, uh, we take uh, diversity workshops um, sometimes for training. Uh, yeah, it's true. There's a thing. Yeah, there's a whole center, Center um, Equity and, uh, in Portland, downtown. And uh, I had to do a diversity training for my job. And... Uh, just picture this, uh, all the facilitators at that place, they were all white. <laughs> it's a diversity training. This is how white it was too, like, um, they thought it was a good idea. Every time we would have a break time, they would play Kendrick Lamar uh, every time, every three songs. I wish we could play it because you just see this like uptightness of just people settling down papers and pens while you just hear the lyrics of Kendrick Lamar and just, just popping off the N-word every single time, it was great. But um, my favorite thing was uh, my coworker, uh, David, was like, um, he was uh, really getting really emotional because he started realizing about like white privilege and he lost it. He was like, you guys, I don't want this white privilege, you know? And he had like tears coming down his eyes. And uh, everyone like uh, was just like, oh, David, I know, I know. And then like everyone was like, like com comforting. I was like, he doesn't want it? You know, I'm just like, I'm puzzled, why? And he's like just bawling all on the table and everything. And like after the, the workshop, um, I was just still puzzled. I was like, man, he does not want it. And I look at the puddle of tears that was on the table where he was crying. I was like, yeah, he doesn't, doesn't want it. So I dip my hand in it and um, I'm just saying, oh, oh, this is good. You want to hear this? Um, no, give her a hug, yeah. Um, I wiped it on my chest, uh, his tears. Um, thought um, that was a good idea because I went to the bank, you guys. Hey, I went to the bank. I didn't get that loan. Um, trying to get my mom that condo. I took a chance. You only live once. Okay. All right. I don't know what else I want to talk about. Yeah, I talked about a lot of stuff. Oh, uh, one thing that's disappointing in Portland is um, uh, it's, it's really scary as a black man like walking down the street, but... Um, it seems like Portland really evolved from the Black Lives Matter signs. 
uh, because I was walking down the street and like this uh, this old white lady, like she looked at me and I was like, oh man, man, she's gonna cross the street. It's gonna happen, you know. And I and I just kept walking, but then she just like start walking at me like with a purpose, right? And I thought she was gonna pass me, but she stopped right in front of me, right? She smiles, bends down, and tied my shoes, huh? Yeah, right. She tied my shoes. Well over 65. Her name is Florence. She said she liked my shoes, and um, she, I was like, thank you. And then she was like, be careful in these streets. <laughs> and I was like, okay, all right. She told me to stay strapped. Um, <laughs> I got long shoelaces. I got triple knot them, you know? I got triple knot them. Yeah. I'm going to have that burrito. <laughs> I'm Jaren George. Have a night. Bye. Give it up one more time for Jaren George. That was great. Bump that playing in the background right now. All right, we're gonna move right along. Uh, your next comedian coming to the stage. It's a really funny person. Uh, everyone, give it up for Molly Shero. Yeah, this is my third time on this stage this week, um, and there's been the same amount of people in every room. This is great. <laughs> Sold out. Everyone's in the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> I like to think that. Um, <laughs> everyone's just hanging out getting burritos. Uh, I smoked too much weed before I came up. This is going to be great. Um that's <laughs> new in my life. Uh, I don't drink anymore. I had a drinking problem. Um, so now I don't do that. I just have regular problems. Um, it's weird since I quit drinking. Uh, I remember sex now. I don't know if you guys ever do that. Um, it's a new thing for me. Um, I used to wake up the next morning like, maybe it did something, maybe it didn't. And now I'm like, you did something. I remember it. <laughs> don't do it again. Um, I like that even in my joke, I wait a whole like eight hours later to stick up for myself. Um, <laughs> it's pretty accurate. Uh, what else? Um, I, just, I, w I knew I had a drinking problem because at one point I had two homemade Jack Daniels lamps in my apartment. Someone's like, she likes Jack and she likes light. Let's put them together. <laughs> and now I just sit in the dark a lot and crush the coils on my forehead. Um, it's a sad life. Um, no, it's great. I have a cat. I have a cat now. I don't it's a, it's one of those lives. I found the cat. She came right up to me, sat on my lap, and she has not ever since then come near me. Um, <laughs> it's like you're my new thing, and she's like, I don't like you. I just used you for a home. Um, <laughs> the healthiest relationship I've ever been in. Um, she's cool. Um, it was weird because I was worried about moving. I moved in with this other girl as a cat, so I was worried about our cats getting along, so I'd have a cat date. Um, so I took my cat and put her in a carrier and drove her to another apartment. In that moment, I realized that's the whitest thing I've ever done in my entire life. <laughs> like, they're cats, they're zoos, animals get along, they'll be fine. Um, I just have two cats living my body when I die, so that's cool. Um, my cat and her cat is appropriately named Chewy. <laughs> Go for the eyes, Chewy. That's what I always say to him every morning. Um, I know I had to move out of my last apartment because um, I lived with a guy named Pasta. Um, I don't know if you guys, I don't even need to explain what he looks like. Just imagine a fat guy named Pasta and you pictured him. Um, 
I was like, do you have a real name? And he's like, yeah, it's just pasta. And his mail came in as pasta. And I was like, all right, this is scary. Um, I'm a survivor. I'm still here. Um, <laughs> I, uh, it was weird. I, I got mad at him one time because he's watching porn. And I was like, dude, you're driving. Like, this is not <laughs> funny to me. This is terrifying. And then he started FaceTiming while he was driving, which is like the traduction of texting and driving, if you guys didn't know. Um, and the other guy he was FaceTiming with was also driving. <laughs> <laughs> like there was some sort of 90s walkie-talkie fantasies they were living out. Like, I can see you while you see me. We're on the 101 together. Um, I'm a survivor, though. Um, it's a bad. I woke up one morning to him just throwing away his underwear, and I was like, cool, you shit the bed. Like, that's... <laughs> now I know why you have brown sheets. All this makes more sense to me. Um, he did. It was weird. Okay, um, enough about pasta. Let's talk about my life. Um, I'm alone. Um, <laughs> surprise. Um, I asked out a coworker. Um, if you guys are thinking about asking out a coworker, don't fucking do it. Um, he said no. Uh, and then I didn't time it right. Uh, we had to work together for about an hour and a half afterwards. <laughs> I was like, you can go, Tom. <laughs> I got this restaurant. Um, got <laughs> the whole thing, all of it. Uh, that was weird. He said, no, I don't go out. That's what he said. And he could have said anything. Like, no, we work together, Molly. That'd be fucking weird. Uh, he said, no, I don't go out. I'm like, um, Tom, this isn't your house. And I saw you at Disneyland last week. You're a fucking liar. Um, it's, it's jokes. It's fine. It's a happy ending, you know? It's a good ending. I'm alone and Tom's still alone. It's great. Um, <laughs> about two people not getting together. I just like when someone says flat out no to you, because that just means like, no, you, I know you enough. I don't need to know you anymore. And no, I never want to see you naked. Like, this is all of the no's. Um, it's fine. Tom still works there, and I said, why? Um, I uh, also work at another restaurant with a girl named Natalie. Um, she told me that my face looked too small for my body. Um, She's like, no, nah, it's because you're just a giant lady and your face is tiny. I'm like, oh, I'm not proportionate. Cool. Thanks, Natalie. Pumpkin ass bitch. Um, I don't even know why I do this joke. I just really hate Natalie. I just want to talk about it sometimes. <laughs> just work in a restaurant, you guys know. It's terrible. There's just like the most sexually charged people in one area that never want to fuck each other. Like, it's very frustrating. Um, don't fuck Tom. Um, <laughs> it's fine. I had another coworker recently. He was just like this giant guy came into my work. He was like six ten, and I was just I'm six foot, so I was like I met my future husband. Bye everyone. Um, but uh, my coworker ruined it by like saying like Oh, you don't have to. You can get on your knees to suck his dick. Like just grossing it out. And I was like, Dude, I'm six foot. I don't get on my fucking knees to suck dick. Okay. I lay in the bed, put my arms out, pretend I'm flying. Um, you ladies should try. It's much more entertaining for us. Um, <laughs> true story. Um, what else in life? Um, I, it's weird. It is weird being taller because people just have like this thing when I walk into a room, they always have to point it out to me like it's a fun game for me. Um, like I went into a Rite Aid and the guy in front of me was like, hey, I'll tell you. He was like, oh, I'm six foot. He's like, nah, I'm six foot. I'm like, it's cool, man. We can both be six foot. <laughs> And he just started shouting, like, she thinks she's taller than that. And the one guy's like, yeah, I think she's a lot taller. And I was just like, I'm just trying to forget that I'm in a Rite Aid, you know? <laughs> just it's turning into the worst carnival game. You want to punch me in the face and guess my weight after this? I don't know. Uh, so I go to CVS's now. That's a story about a redemption. Um, 23 and meh. Um, I don't drink anymore. I guess most of my drinking stories for when I was 23. I can... Uh, I used to work at this deli, um, and 
this guy came up to me one time and asked me for a sandwich and you always have that moment where you try to f- remember that person like how you know them and I realized I knew him because uh, he was a cop and I used to work as a lifeguard and we used to break into the pool at night um, and one night I decided to get really drunk and climb the fence and jump into the pool uh, and when I was walking up there was just like a group of people and I was just like oh you guys are partying sorry and then I realized they were cops and I was like oh I'm sorry and then I realized the cops were partying and I was like oh this is crazy and they're like no you can stay and I was like no it's cool we'll just leave so then they left which is weird um, so it was just me and my drunk friend and we climbed to the top of the wall it's like an 8 foot wall jumped in the pool naked swimming and then an on duty cop came in and was just like I was like oh I get it man I'm not supposed to be here I'm sorry and I walked out and I could just see his like flashlight following me because I was naked and um but I realized and then he just kind of was like hey man you you work here right I was like yeah he's like oh that's cool you can keep swimming and then just left uh I couldn't figure out why he knew I was I was work I worked there but then I realized I had a terrible one piece uh tan line (laughs) and just like I had vitiligo on half my body um (laughs) But then I realized later on when I'm like at work that it's the drunk cop or I was the drunk and he was the cop and I had to make him a sandwich. It was just not a, it was one of those moments where you're like, I should probably not be drunk all the time. (laughs) I should probably sell my Jack Daniels lamps. Um, (laughs) I don't even have them anymore. No, it's a sad story. I'll do one happy one that other people do this. Um, Let's do a happy one. I feel like I'm always so sad on stage. Um, I'll end on this one. I, I get weird. Uh, my name is Molly. I get weird out when uh, a group of men are telling me they're going to do Molly tonight, and I'm the only <laughs> Molly in the room. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's, is this going to be a gangbang or drugs? Which one is it? It's never gangbang. Um, I found that out. Uh, <laughs> But it's weird because I like having the name, uh, like a drug name. Like I didn't think of my parents having a drug problem because my sister's real name is Mary Jane. That's her real fucking name. And my brother's name is Crack. So <laughs> my parents have a real bad problem. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I'll end on that. You guys have a great night. Enjoy the rest of the show. Molly Sherrill. Molly Sherrill, everybody. Clap it up. Well, that was hella funny. I um, worst breakup I ever got in in my life. I'm gonna tell you this quick story. Um, this girl Natalie, she broke up with me on the night of this party. She got super fucking drunk, right? Super shit face. Ran outside of this party after throwing up all over the living room. Runs outside, takes a shit in the middle of the street. Mid shit, gets hit by a car. Yeah. She's okay, like she's fine, but afterwards she was like, Mike, we're breaking up. <laughs> and I was like, what What made, What made? part of that night made you think about breaking up with me right then? Because like that was more embarrassing than what happened to her, in my opinion. It's just like, I am now less than that moment, you know? <laughs> but anyway, your next uh, comedian coming to stage, thought I'd share that with you guys. <laughs> It's a very funny comedian. We have the same taste in shoes and um, I think soup. Everybody give it up for Ben Warren. Yeah, I do love soup. Like a good gazpacho. A cold, yeah, is that okay? Cold soup? No. All right. Uh, 
My wife makes me put ice cubes in our kids' soup. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, she's worried they're going to get burned because I don't pay attention to them when they're eating. <laughs> no, uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm Ben. I'm a stay-at-home dad. All right, not that into that. Cool. Let's, uh, let's talk about fisting for a second. <laughs> I run a show at a sex club uh, in Portland. Thank you. Yep. It's, uh, it's a, a BDSM club for people in the swinger lifestyle. Yeah, which is awesome. I, I see, like, bucket list shit while I'm doing comedy, you guys. Like, you guys were talking about Pornhub. My show is like Pornhub, like, just... Just going on in the back, you know. Somebody's getting fisted. Somebody's getting shocked in the taint. I don't even know. <laughs> so the better we do, the more wild the sexual acts are afterwards. I wasn't even going to talk about this. I don't know why I did. I was, <laughs> I was working the door at the swinger show, and uh, this this woman came up to me and she said, uh, "Hey, I just bought you know a ticket to the show. Got to know, is there re-entry?" And I was like, ma'am, it's practically required here. <laughs> All right. Uh, I guess I'll tell you guys a little story about a pivotal point in my life, you know, uh, when I was about 23. Uh, I used to live in a shack. Anybody here live in a shack? Yeah, some people have lived in a shack. Awesome. I love how enthusiastic people who don't live in a shack anymore are about the time they lived in a shack. Uh, it, you might be like living in a shack if your rent is $60 a month, but you split it four ways. <laughs> you know, like our, our uh, oh, man, our utility bill doubled our rent. Like, and that was just a fridge and a hot water heater during the months where we had water flowing into the house. Like, uh, it, our wood stove was meant for like a, a 3,000 or 5,000 square foot warehouse. That's a warehouse. I don't know my square footage. Very, I'm a comedian, not a builder, uh, but uh, a very big shop. And so you could not be in our house in the wintertime and be wearing clothes. Or you had to be wearing a lot of clothes. It was on or off, you know? So we're like, we're sitting around in our underwear. We're studying up in the shack. My buddy Matt comes back inside. He goes, guys, I don't want to alarm you. I went out into our driveway. This shack was on a 500-acre horse farm. So, like, we didn't get visitors. He goes, there is a strange van parked in our driveway. He goes, I went to see who was inside, and they ducked. And I knocked on the window, and a hand came up and locked the door. And we reacted, y'all. Because, again, it's never a good thing. It's like your landlord coming up to tell you he's going to leave five hound dogs staked out in your yard for the next six months or the cops coming to find your ganja crop that you've got going on in the back you know it's like it's never good so we we sprang into action like put on shoes grabbed shotguns ran out onto the porch without any other clothes on and there we were the three of us standing there on the porch and i yelled identify yourselves and my buddy matt let off a big blast from his shotgun and without even coming into view, the driver of that van peeled out of our driveway and left. Just all down like this, gravel flying. 
anybody would have been pretty satisfied with that. But uh, we were drunk, so we got in the truck and chased after him. <laughs> My buddy Matt was driving, and uh, I was sitting shotgun with the shotgun, and uh, Matt was, or, and Adam was sitting bitch, you know, because he didn't have a shotgun. I'm not saying you have to have a gun to be cool. I'm just saying, like, if you, you know, you can't sit in a win windowed seat where you got to have a shotgun sticking out, you know, if you don't have, anyway. We chased him over the hills. There were sparks flying off of that minivan. It was the most exciting car chase I've ever been on in my life, uh, y'all. Maybe it was the booze. But we, we cornered him in this driveway. We we're like, okay, we got him now. We're going to figure this out. And then we're like, let's get out and get him. And then we we're like, we don't have any clothes on. Maybe let's go home. We'll come back in the morning. We know where they live. So we went back home, rested up, came back the next day. No guns, but we went and knocked on the door. We said, hey, man, where's your van? What were you doing on our land last night? And the guy goes, I wasn't there, and I don't own a van. He said, but one pulled in my driveway last night. They refused to identify themselves, and I let off my shotgun, chased him out of here. Like you do in Black Mountain, North Carolina, apparently. I don't know. Uh, oh. A week later, I was walking down the street. And I'm really sorry, guys. This is like a long walk with not a lot of stuff. I promised you jokes, and I'm really letting you down here. But uh, we'll get back into it. I was walking down the street, and a van comes up in my direction. And I didn't even think anything of it, but all of a sudden, the driver disappeared from view. <laughs> and it drove right past me real slow and then it came to the end of the dead end street I was walking down <laughs> and so I turned around I walked down there and I looked in the van and there crouched down y'all uh, was my future wife <laughs> that was too abrupt of a twist wasn't it I <laughs> was this lady, the best damn duck-down driver I had ever seen. <laughs> and we started dating, man. We got married. And uh, now I don't live in a shack anymore. That's all I'm saying. She, she yeah, she pays for me to do comedy. Like, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> it's just uh, like if you are going to be a dirtbag, just go hard in the paint, okay? And eventually maybe your girlfriend will do something and get you out of the shack. That's all I'm saying. Uh, you can do it. Um mm. I worked in the ER for a long time, uh, and being a stoner in the ER is good. It kind of like, uh, it, it brings a different perspective to things, you know? Like, if you just have a bunch of sober people sitting around trying to figure out how to save a life, maybe a stoner might just interject and be like, oh, hey, what if we just tried this? It's, it's unorthodox, and it sounds dumb, and I know I just make minimum wage here, but trust me, <laughs> we can save a life. I don't know. Oh, one time I actually saw a doctor uh, shock a conscious guy while I was high. <laughs> People are like, "Holy shit, man! How did you how did you know that happened?" And I didn't at the time. The guy fooled us all. To be honest, he was he must have been laying just extra still and looking kind of dead. Uh, but basically, the doc was like. Okay, I'm charging. Everybody clear. Get your hands off this dude, okay? He didn't say dude. That was just me over here being high. But it, And then he goes, 
clear and the guy puts his hand up and he goes don't shock me again which means he remembered when we shocked him the first time and that doctor killed that guy and I saved him that's all I'm saying yeah oh that was your alarm good I was like oh man is that my alarm? <laughs> I feel like I have uh, one of those, like, uh, if that guy can do it, I can do it, body types. <laughs> no, all right, a little bit, a little bit, maybe. I'm working on it. I won 48 pounds last year. Um, <laughs> Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I win. I'm trying to lose them, though, now. I'm not worried. Averaging heuristic here. That's good. Uh... You know, one thing you got to be careful about in the ER is when somebody, uh, somebody said, you know, like there are always people training in the emergency room. How are you supposed to know as just a regular old person? Like when I first learned how to sew people's faces up, you know, and people be like, you good at this? You going to, you going to get me fixed up? And I'd be like, oh yeah, you wouldn't believe how many times I've done this before. Zero. <laughs> People are like, whoa, that's weird. Yeah, that's how we get good is practicing. I was in the ER one time uh, with my wife. We were, I was in her, her little like work lounge, and uh, I said, whoa, babe, I opened up the freezer. I was like, there is a lot of beef tongue in the freezer. This is not a taco stand. What's up with that? And she goes, uh, well, we use the beef tongue to practice repairing torn vaginal tissue. Like in a birth, you know, because you don't want us practicing on actual torn vagina. And I stopped her and I was just like, are you saying that beef tongue feels like a vagina? <laughs> and uh, she apologized to her coworkers and stormed out. And I grabbed a beef tongue and slipped it into the baby carrier. <laughs> the carrier. <laughs> But I had to bring it back a little bit later to have it repaired. Ooh. <laughs> Beef tongue. That's crazy. It's weird being being married to a doctor, man. My wife, uh, she says I don't dress nice enough for it. And that she, yeah, <laughs> that's it. She wants me to be a trophy husband, and I am... <laughs> I'm just, this doesn't just happen overnight, okay? That's all I'm saying. Like, you got to... You got to do it. That's good. That's really good stuff. Um, we've been together for 15 years, y'all. Thank you. Yeah. In a monotonous relationship. <laughs> the other day I shaved. Uh, the other day. It's been a little while now. Let's be honest. Uh, I shaved. And when I came out of the bathroom, she took one look at me and she goes, well, I'm glad we fucked this morning. <laughs> that's hurt, that's hurtful. I, I really, I, I actually don't mind it. I know that I'm better with a beard, uh, so I, I don't shave anymore. That's why it looks so good. <laughs> Pam was like, "Dude, you, you maybe need to. Do we need to talk? You want to?" Pam looks like she wants to hug me right now back there. <laughs> no, I am in a good. We're in a good place. We're in a good place. Um. She said we could start looking for sister wives. Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, babe, sister wives. That sounds so good. 
Let's do some sister wives. How about, can we have three more sister wives? She goes, three? She goes, how many women are you going to disappoint in your life? It's like, ooh, babe, easy. She says, seriously, what about, what do you need with three women? I said, we need somebody to stay home and watch the kids, a designated driver, and a drinking buddy. <laughs> right? Yeah, I'm going to get a, a secret vasectomy. We'll keep trying for Jesus, but you know, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Uh, and she stopped me though. She was like, hey, listen, uh, fuck whoever you want. But uh, if you have fun with a, with another woman, I'll kill you. Oh, I know. She's fiery. That's what I like about her. I do love it. I love it a lot. Um, let's see here. We've been doing a little bit of role playing lately. Uh do a little role playing yeah thanks i know maybe this is a very vanilla crowd apparently okay <laughs> do, doing some role playing we uh kind of spice it up we decided to start doing a, a doctor scenario right so i went into the bedroom and i waited About 10 minutes later, she poked her head in. She's like, uh, the doctor's running a little bit behind today. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be right in. You guys have been a really amazing and patient audience. Thanks for your time. Good morning, everybody. And that, and that is the show. Thank you all for coming to 23 in May. Uh, my name is Mike. And uh, yeah, have, have a good night. I have to pee really bad. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Asiento, take a seat at Asiento on 21st and Bryant. Meet friends for a drink, have delicious tapas and a relaxed community atmosphere. Asiento, honestly, is a wonderful place. They have incredible bartenders and board games all over the walls. Trivia on Mondays, Taco Tuesdays, First Wednesday, live jazz, live DJs Thursday, parties. The food is darn good. Special happy hour prices all night long with your Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival ticket March 1st through 5th. Check out the schedule at www.asientosf.com. Come take a seat. I had a date there and it did not go well.
but it wasn't the fault of the place. They were very nice. Asiento. For a burger, Mutiny Radio thinks you'll find the best burger in San Francisco at Counter Offer, located inside Bender's Bar and Grill. Counter Offer's menu aims to please your drunk face. Tater tots are served daily. On Tuesday nights, Counter Offer serves specials off the Taco Bell menu, only better. You can enjoy your favorite Taco Bell item without the guilt. Counter Offer uses only fresh ingredients and never store-bought shit. Special ingredients are made from scratch daily, including beans, ketchup, mustard, habanero sauce, and ranch dressing. Counter Offer even serves vegan mac and cheese. All of this great food is served 2 p.m. to 10 p.m. daily and until 11 p.m. on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Counter Offer is located inside Bender's Bar and Grill at 806 South Van S. Be sure to tell them Mutiny sent you. Counter Offer, baby. Everybody should listen to Mutiny Radio at mutinyradio.fm. It's a great place to listen to crazy things. Subliminal SF visual and auditory mind control brings you the best, coolest t-shirt and hoodie designs and mind. Here to destroy your sense of normalcy and plant ideas in your skull to make you cooler and a more awesome person. Check out all the badass products at subliminalsf.myshopify.com. That's subliminalsf.myshopify.com. And experience Subliminal SF. Yeah. Welcome, Bender's Bar and Grill, located at 806 South Van Ness in the Mission District of San Francisco. Your favorite bar with awesome bartenders, rotating local art, and a killer back patio. It's a great place to hang out and play one of their two pool tables or old school pinball machine with a tasty adult beverage. Live music every Saturday for only $5, Bender's brings you face-melting metal and rock and roll. The last Friday of the month, Punk Rock and Schlock delivers super fun karaoke with Aileen. Come on, what's not to like? They even have counter-offer inside.
That's right, Van Halen, not Van Hagar, because this is Millennials versus Gen X, and we are Gen Xing the fuck out of this thing. Are there any Millennials here? That's amazing. This place is filled with Millennials because we're not giving away any participation trophies at this event. Surprised you guys showed up anyway. All right. So, hey, uh, before I get too started with things, speaking of millennials versus Gen X, Luke Perry died. Yeah, Luke Perry died. For, I think he did too much 9021 blow. Yeah, boy. Speaking of blow, guys, we're about to go to war with uh, uh, Venezuela. So we're starting to amass troops in Colombia. Uh, so cocaine's gonna get really expensive soon, so you might want to stock up or uh, buy, you know, I don't know, stock up, that's the word of the wise. Anyway, we're here as far as I'm concerned as, as let me Gen explain this event here tonight to all you p- people out there. As far as I'm concerned, this is a roast of fucking millennials. We're just gonna... We're just going to dump all over you for like a whole hour. It's going to be great. Yeah. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. I mean, why? It, see, it's fun already, right? Just thinking about it is just the anticipation. It's precious. It's great. I love crapping on you guys. The future for you guys, ha, huh? good luck. 
I mean, you guys are, you, we can't depend on you guys for shit, right? It's just so obvious. I mean, you're all deathly allergic to peanut butter and bread, for starters. I mean, when Armageddon comes, I'm just going to make a couple sandwiches and fight off all your hordes and survive to rebuild society in my image. Wait, for what? Yeah, I don't have to wait too much longer. I mean, now that they've discontinued antibacterial soap, you guys are due for a die-off once you touch dirt for the first time. The shock to your system will be too much for you guys. I mean, how could you be allergic to bread? Bread is the thing that is like most closely associated with like civilization, right? I mean, before bread, we were in huts. Then we had bread, and now we have civilization. I mean, we can't trust you guys with bread. How can we trust you with civilization? Straight line reasoning right there. Welcome to the collapse. I mean, you guys are so... I was recently... Speaking of dirt, I was recently reminded that my generation and all the generations before me, we used to eat dirt as kids, right? It It gave us grit, right? But you idiots are eating Tide Pods. What the, (laughs) completely the other way. Now you're just too weak. Speaking of weak, you guys got the Momo challenge too? Not just the Tide Pod challenge, the Momo challenge. You guys know what that is? You challenge each other to commit suicide and you do it like lemmings. You don't win the Momo challenge, you Darwin the Momo challenge. (laughs) You even got this thing, the condom challenge? You guys know about this one where you're snorting condoms? They had a condom challenge when I was growing up. The challenge was to wear a condom. (laughs) Just one thing after another, you got your stupid fucking diets, your stupid fucking paleo bullshit. Paleo, I'm so paleo. How come I'm not losing weight? I'm so paleo. Because you're not fucking paleo, that's why. You know what is paleo? Shivering. Shivering's paleo. It works your core. Gets those hard to reach muscles. That's why they were so ripped back in the paleo days. They were shivering all the time. You've tried your stupid diets, your stupid kombucha. God damn, someone took turnt wine and skunk beer and mixed them together. That's what kombucha is. Now that I'm drinking it, I realize it's the slurry they use for fracking. <laughs> it's causing major climate change in my microbiomes, and I am producing methane. That's a science joke, in case you're wondering. So I got off of that shit, and I started eating kimchi instead. Holy shit, now that I'm eating kimchi, I gotta say, what the fuck is wrong with Koreans? How do you make cabbage worse? I eat that stuff, it makes me Kim Jong ill. Zing. Yeah, it's one thing after all with you guys, you're just too soft with everything. You're too soft with weed too, man. 420, so played out. You can vape in the library now, guys. It's like smoking weed is not cool or hip or dangerous anymore. Nerds took over, 57 kinds of different oil. 
pathetic. Who here remembers 1987? <laughs> the year America ran out of weed. You see, back then there was weed or no weed. <laughs> Those were your options. Not like which club has the special on red Congolese and who's got the, it was how much sativa is in that. Me, 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 me. We used to be homo sapiens looking each other in the eye as we passed the joint around, right? We used to save the roaches and hoard them till Sunday because they were special. <laughs> you guys don't do that shit. You just cartridge, 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 la, la, la. All a bunch of fucking homo sativas and homo indicas just sucking down on your individual wrapped vape pens. Devolving before my eyes, walking headlong into traffic with your Pokemon, go walk off a cliff, nav apps. Nav app completely necessary now because you've lost your ability to find your friends in a park. It's pathetic. You guys got it too easy with pussy too, man. I'll tell you that. When I was growing up, that shit was the nom down there, man. You were in the jungle looking out for Charlie and shit. You didn't know which way was north. The orgasm was still a myth. <laughs> the G-spot hadn't been invented yet. And the clitoris was like the Mayan city of gold swallowed up by the jungle. We didn't have the vagina monologues or Google Maps to help us out back then. We had to figure that shit out on our own. Now it's like the fucking Iraq war down there, man. Nothing but scorched earth, right? <laughs> Nothing between you and Baghdad. No mystery. And it's pathetic. Are there any millennials on the, the bill tonight? You're all millennials? <laughs> so it's just me against all you guys. <laughs> and I'm winning. <laughs> so anyway, we didn't go over who was coming up first or second. But is, is there sort of an order on the, uh, we're all uh, comfortable with the order on Facebook. Cool. Which means Robert. Robert Pang is coming up first to defend his generation. Give it up for Robert Pang. Oh yeah, our generation's fucked. There's no, there's no defending it, right? There's literally no defending this shit, right? Like I, I, I was lost today because my phone died. Like I don't know how the fuck I even got here. Like what the fuck? Like I tried to look at a, a real map. I'm just like, what is all these squiggly lines? Like just show me where to go. Seriously, what the fuck, right? Like my, uh, like Asian millennial is even more fucked than like normal millennials, right? Like Asian millennials are just we've been through a lot. Like seriously, just look, just treat us better, okay? Because we've been through a lot. Seriously, like, like white people have so much options. Like white kids have so much options, right? If they can, fu if they fuck up school, they can like do trade school, they could like do music, they can maybe do stand-up comedy, right? Like we're Asian millennials, like if we fuck up school, we're just fucked, right? It's either we go to engineering school or we die in the sweatshop somewhere. Like there's no, there's no middle ground, right? 
Like seriously, like Asian millennial, we like if we don't get a good job, that means we can't get a good car, that means we can't get a good house, that means we don't fuck. Like at all. Like have anyone here not fucked? Give it up if you're not fucked. <laughs> Only me? Seriously, god damn it. Seriously, like if you uh, if you're wondering like if you're a Gen X or you're a millennial, just ask yourself this question, okay? What's more sexy? A twelve inch dick or a twelve thousand square foot condo in downtown uh, San Francisco? Right? It's just like, seriously, like, it, like for us, it's like we'd rather have the condo because a condo will solve all of our problems, right? Like, just like, even if, like, we can't get like, the good sex, like, we can still jerk off to a waterfront view, which is much better than whatever the fuck we're doing. Just like, seriously, I need a house, right? Like, I fucked up my life. I know exactly when I fucked up. College? Anyone went to college here? Anyone went to college here? We all went to college, right? Because we're the millennials, right? And we're so fucking dumb, right? Seriously, I can, I know this one guy from college who can build any kind of bridge in the world, any kind of bridge. But you know what kind of bridge he can't build? The bridge of human connection. Like that guy is never getting laid, right? Like and the dumbest guy I know, the dumbest guy I know spent a thousand K to go to engineering school, graduated, can't find a job, and now is doing stand-up comedy on Mutiny Radio. Like what the hell? <laughs> what the hell is wrong with me? Like seriously. Like, we, we can't, we don't know how to talk to people. Like, I'm so fucking lonely right now. Like, <laughs> seriously, I'm so lonely. Like, l like I did the loneliest thing possible. Like, last New Year's Eve, I mean, uh, New Year's Eve celebration, I went to watch the fireworks in downtown alone, right? Like, that's the saddest thing ever. Like, for the whole time when I was there, when I was, like, waiting for the fireworks to start, for two hours straight, I just tried to pretend to try to find my friends, right? It's just like, hey, where are you, man? Where are you? Yeah, Wang, Wang, are you here? Yeah, Wang, Wang, yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm looking, yeah, I'm at, the, I'm at the waterfront. For the two hours when I was there, I was just walking around doing that, because if I sat down, people would have been like, oh, look at this piece of shit, he's here watching the fireworks alone, right? It's just like, seriously, seriously, talking to people, that's how, do, how do people do it? Right, people like I don't know how to get a job at all. Right, like it's all online job application now. And, like jo online job applications are just fucking nightmares. Right, I like, just like I see this one job post like entry level position, three years experience needed. Like three years experience. That's so like a girl who's like, oh my god, I want to date a virgin, but you need to be an anal, have a sex dungeon, and three years experience. Like what the hell, man? Like by the way, if you know a girl like that, call me. I can build a great sex dungeon. There's so much duct tape at my house. I don't. I don't know what to do with it. Right? Like I'm an engineer. Yeah. So it means like I'm more socially awkward in talking to people. Like people try to give me advice when I can't find a job. They're like, Robert, if you can't find a job, you gotta network. You gotta go out there and you gotta talk to people. Like seriously, fuck you. Okay. Whoever gave that advice, fuck you. Right? I'm a millennial. I don't know how to talk to people. Like when you are out out there drinking, partying, and having sex, I was at home studying math like a good boy. But no, you can't hire me because I'm socially awkward. But you can hire the douchebag who stole all my homework because he's cool. He knows how to talk to people. Like, look, I know I want to know how drinking works, right? Like, I don't, I don't know how fucking drinking works. Like, you drink and some magic happens and boom, you're pregnant. Like, what, what is this sorcery? Somebody teach me this shit, right? Like, crack, crack is amazing, right? Like, I wish I was addicted to crack, okay? Because at least. Crack is so cool. Like when you're sm snorting crack, like people look up to you, like whoa, that guy is smoking crack. You know what I'm addicted to? League of Legend. Like nobody 
is looking up to me because I sit in front of a dark room all day, sitting in front of a computer, just clicking a button. Like, at least when you're addicted to crack, you're getting exercise, right? Like, I look like I have no exercise at all. Like, seriously, like, like if I was on crack around me, I'll be like, <laughs> and then I'll be like, all this twitching is going to make me lose weight. But, like, I don't do that. Like, God damn it, I was, I was, a, cool, I was a nerd kid. God, we're all nerd kids. All Asian kids are nerds. Just like, God damn it. Like, every Asian kid I talk to is just like engineering degrees. Like, what are you going to do with that engineering degree? I'm going to work in a convenience store because fuck me. Right? Seriously, seriously. Like, the fuck? Right? We all have good degrees. Like, what's, what's your degree, sir? What's your degree? Oh, okay. Uh, what's your degree? <laughs> You deserve your fate. You also deserve your fate, right? But like, I have a fucking engineering degree. I'm still doing stand-up comedy. Like, I'm making literally like 15 bucks an hour, do and then like doing stand-up comedy on the side because I because I don't know how to get a job at all. Like seriously, like if you're wondering like what kind of engineer can't find a job, it depends on the engineering. Okay, like every other kind of every other kind of engineer is a hero to society, but a mining engineer that's a Captain Planet villain, right? It's just like Tony Stark can build killer robots all day and kids look up to him. But when I want to build one coal mine, suddenly Chuck Norris appears and kicks me in the face. Because nature, nature, oh my god, seriously. Millennials, could you just stop with this environmental shit? Like, I, I need a fucking job, okay? Listen, I, I said... I sit too much on stage. Like I, I talk, I trash talk ch China too much, right? Like I can't go back to China now. If I go back to China, they'll be like, "Do you want to see the death camp?" Because you are there all the time, right? Like just, uh, like I am so fucked. Like seriously, like I, I wish I was that kid back in the sweatshop, right? Like I wish I didn't leave China in the first place because that kid back in the sweatshop, he is doing way better than me, right? He's like, he can make an iPhone in five seconds. Like, what could I do? Linear algebra, give it up if you know what that is, right? <laughs> give it up if you know what linear algebra is. What is linear algebra, sir? Uh, That's a problem. That's a problem <laughs> right there, right? What am I supposed to do? Like, impress my employer with my ability to invert the matrices? Like, do you even know what that means, right? Like, there's nothing on my resume. Like, there's nothing on my resume except this, right? Because, like, I don't care what you people say. This is three years of public speaking experience, right? Like, I'm not... <laughs> Like, do you know how hard it is for an Asian engineer to get a job in, in this economy? Like, do you know how many Asian engineers there are in the world? Like, every pile of resume, there's, like, just a bunch of wangs and pangs and, like, laos, right? And then you see this Miller guy. It's like, oh, he's a white guy. I'm going to hire him because he speaks English. Like, I don't... Like, look, look, I, I'm not even doing this for some bullshit dream. No, I'm doing this to convince white people that I speak English, which I assume... <laughs> I am speaking to you or you're just laughing to not seem racist, right? Like, <laughs> like I really don't belong in the corporate world. Like, seriously, like, you know, I actually got an engineering job for like a month, right? You know how I got fired? How did I get fired? Yeah, sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> I wish I did that, fuck. <laughs> Dude, I, I got fired because I took a nap during a job orientation, right? Like, I can't, I can't even keep myself awake for one single fucking job orientation, right? Like, it's just, like, I can't, I have narcolepsy. Like, I developed it when I used to go to church, church back in the day because all the sermons are so fucking boring. So I slept through every sermon. And then, like, when I went to university, I slept through every lecture because they were also as boring. And then, like, because of this, like, environmental effect of, like, every time someone is boring, talks, I just fall fall asleep. I fall asleep during a job orientation and I got fired immediately. Like seriously, I can't 
hold a fucking real job, right? Because we're all pieces of shits. Yeah, I never had sex. I, ne- I never even had sex. Seriously, I never had sex. Like, I wa- I think I'll be great at the sex, though, because I watch a lot of demonstration videos, right? Like, I read all the articles on the subject, right? I know all about the sex, the anal sex, the vaginal sex, and the tentacle sex. Like, ladies, please, we have options, right? I would admit, like, our porn is way better than the Gen X porn. Like, he was probably masturbating to, like, some Playboy magazine. Like, we, like, I masturbated to a Playboy magazine once, and it was really boring. I was just like, there's so many articles and one picture. It's like, what the fuck is the point of this shit? Like, like we, are, we masturbate to some really deep shit. Like, I don't even masturbate to normal porn now. Like, what I masturbate to is, like, a combination of weirdo hentais and, like, weirdo ASMR where this, this girl just talks dirty to me and I just jerk off to that. It's, it's kind of weird, right? Like, it's not that weird at all. Like, it's not that weird. Like, uh, the next generation is going to figure out even weirder porn. Like, they're just, they're just going to be like, you'll masturbate to a screen. Like, I have this robotic sex doll that's in my closet all the time. That's what I'm masturbating to. And the, the Chinese will make that robotic sex doll. So, like, you better buy iPhones or else we're gonna, that's not going to happen, right? So, I, I, I have a flash a flashlight. Obviously, I have a flashlight, right? Yeah, because I'm a millennial, I never had sex. Obviously, I have a flashlight, right? But, like, don't get a flashlight. It's such a waste of money, right? Like, it's 60 bucks for the flashlight, but, like, what they don't tell you is you got to keep buying lube or else your dick is going to fuck up, right? So, like, you got to keep buying lube, which is, like, 15 bucks a month. So, like, a 60 bucks flashlight and, like, lube, like, that's just a World of Warcraft subscription, right? Like, I can't keep buying that shit, right? And then, like, the thing about flashlight is that, like, they don't tell you is that every time you use a flashlight, it makes this weird squishing noise. It's like unplugging a toilet, you know? Like, you know, <laughs> you, you, sir, you laugh. You have a flashlight, right? Yeah. Or is that what you call your girlfriend? I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> right? But, like, it makes this weird squishing noise. And, like, I live in a small condo, so, like, my walls are, like, really thin, right? So, like, I can't keep using that flashlight or else, like, my neighbor's gonna be wondering, like, why am I un- unclogging a toilet, like, every single day? It's just like, what's going on, right? So I had to get rid of it, right? Because also I live with my parents, so, like, I don't, I don't know where to keep a flashlight. Like, seriously, is there, like, a good hiding spot for a flashlight that doesn't get moldy? Is there, is there anything, like, dildos? How do girls hide dildos? I don't, they don't even need to hide dildos. They own that dildo, but I have to, hide a flashlight and it was too much, it was too complicated. So I just threw that flashlight away because I tried to sell it at first, right? I tried to sell a flashlight and then like nobody was buying it on Craigslist. So I'm just like, oh my God, I have to get rid of it. Anyway, that's all I have. Thanks a lot. Give it up for Robert Pang of No Bang Theory. Oh man, I never thought I'd feel so sorry for you guys, but after the woes of a millennial, I almost feel too bad to roast you guys a little bit more (laughs) with your stupid fucking workouts, your stupid fucking CrossFit, big for nothing CrossFit. My God, they had this thing that took the place of CrossFit when I was growing up, they were called chores. (laughs) We had chores back then, kept us fit. Yeah, CrossFit, the only reason to do CrossFit is to just do more CrossFit. That's cocaine. 
See, cocaine went to rehab and came back as a fitness routine. And that's why we have CrossFit today. CrossFit did a movie about themselves. They called themselves the fittest people on earth. But how do you call yourself the best at anything if you're not competing against any black or brown people? More like burning CrossFit. Zing! The reason I, I bring this up, it looks like this next guy does CrossFit. He looks pretty goddamn fit, quite frankly. Give it up for Carl Berger. Keep it going uh, for Matthew. Keep it going for Pam. The, 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 the reason that we're all here right now and this sold out. You guys can sit down. Thank you for the standing ovation. I appreciate that. This packed out room. And tens of listener. Uh, is real quick question: Is th- is that a trope of millennials that like millennials don't have sex? Is that like a thing that I missed out on? Because oh, is it <laughs> not the Asian women I know, my friend. Uh, <laughs> not the ones that I know. Uh, my name is Carl. I I've been a millennial for 28 years. Thank you. Um, I don't feel I don't feel very like aligned with the the millennial folks. I grew up in a small town in rural Maine. And Maine's kind of a weird place. It's like uh it's like way back it's like when I graduated high school people still had frosted tips and Janko jeans. Like like that truck to JC Penney's just got to Maine in two thousand eight. <laughs> we were like, oh this is sick this is sick gear. Pearl Jam's awesome and we missed we missed all the cool hip shit but Maine's Maine's a really funny place. <coughs> I don't know if you guys are even fucking familiar with Maine. Uh, we're all the way on the West Coast. Does anybody know, like, where, well, you know where it is, but does anybody else know, like, Maine at all? Yeah, okay, a little bit. It's, like, way up in the woods, and it's it's a really weird mix between, like, kind of progressive hippies and, like, real weird northern rednecks. Like, just, my like, my folks went there, they moved to Maine to grow weed, but then at the same time, like, I have a cousin who lives in Maine, and he, like... He, like, shot out all the street lights on his block because he was like, I don't like light pollution, and it's a waste of power. Uh, but he did <laughs> but he did that out of his, like, big diesel truck after smoking PCP all day, and it was like, uh, it's, a, it's a good point, but maybe, maybe take it easy on the PCP, Casey. Maine, man, it's weird. Uh, I'm an only child, too. I'm an only child. That's, like, I feel like that's a millennial thing. Like, people used to have big families. Both my parents come from bigger families. Only child. I don't know what your guys' view of only children are. Uh, is, is there anybody else who's an only child in here? Oh, fuck me. It's just, all right. <laughs> my parents just didn't like fucking. Uh, <laughs> they didn't like each other. I, I'm always surprised. They hated each other. They fought so much. I'm like, how did you guys even like, how did you guys stop drinking and yelling at each other to like actually have sex? One this is crazy. Anyway, this is for, <laughs> I forgot. I got the, I got the therapy, uh, podcast tomorrow. That's what I'll be talking about. Uh, I don't know what you guys think about only, ch- sorry, I got off track. Only children. Like, I don't know what you guys think about it. For me being an only child, it just means that I don't fully get, uh, incest porn. Like, <laughs> I don't fully comprehend the appeal. Like, I'm going to watch it. Of course, I'm going to watch it. But I just I watch it like I'm watching a Woody Allen film. You know what I mean? Like, I don't get why everybody's talking about it. <laughs> like, okay, I get it. He likes New York. <laughs> and fucking his daughter. <laughs> you know what I mean? Woody Allen, he's a monster. Uh <laughs> he is. Everybody's like, greatest filmmaker alive. I was like, really? You know? Fucking, I don't think Scorsese was fucking his kids, but 
It's true. <laughs> what else did I want to talk? Millennials, we don't uh, we don't like commitment. We don't commit to anything, right? Like commitment's tough. You know, we don't commit to uh, jobs. We don't really commit to relationships. We don't commit to finishing. Uh, so I don't. <laughs> that was like that was like a wordplay thing. You guys are smart. I had trouble with commitment. I, I had a breakup last year. I say I had a breakup because, like, it was a mutual thing. You know what I'm, t I'm talking about? Like, a mutual breakup where, like, me and uh, my girlfriend at the time, we, like, sat down, we got together, hashed it out, and we came to the mutual uh, agreement that I was a complete asshole, uh, incapable of loving another human being, uh, and I'll probably be alone forever. That's how that mutual <laughs> agreement works out. I get it. Like I do, I have a problem. I do have a little problem. With, like uh, it's this, uh, it's this, this, this hereditary problem um, that 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 limits my like dating abilities. It's, it's I'm a man. Uh, <laughs> that's part of it. So like I just have to be right about everything. Uh, and I will fight you uh, if you disagree with me. I will fight you. Uh, it sucks. I would get into the dumbest, like pettiest arguments toward the end of our relationship. For example, my girlfriend, she was like, she wanted to buy a really high-end blender. Oh, the blender material. He well, he walked on the blender material. <laughs> it's getting edgy. If you guys wanted edgy, <laughs> you shouldn't have booked Carl. <laughs> I'm about to talk about blenders. <laughs> uh, yeah, she wanted to buy this high-end blender, which I think is, that's like, that's Fairgrounds to break up with somebody, but you don't, you don't need to spend $500 to make like a $2 smoothie. You're never going to get that ROI back. That's just, that's bananas. She came to me and she's like, hey, I did. <laughs> it's true, right? <laughs> like, why would you spend that much on a fucking, you shake up some fruit. I don't know. But she came to me and she was like, hey, look, I did all this research and uh, I think I'm going to go with the Vitamix blender. I, I think that that's. Yeah, Pam's like, it's a good blender. You fucking right, it's a good blender. <laughs> she goes, I think that's the best blender. I was like, oh, you think that's the best blender? That's cute. Because uh, actually, Blendtec blenders, they're the best blender on the market for both consumer and professional level. Uh, and she was like, well, Vi Vitamix blenders, they spin so fast that they can turn your vegetables into hot soup within minutes. And I was like, that's fucking Bush League, Amber. Uh, Blendtec blenders, not only can they do that, they have a 3.8 horsepower motor and uh, patented nonstick polycarbonate blades that could liquefy an iPhone. And she was like, why would you ever need to liquefy an iPhone? I was like, it's not about needing to liquefy an iPhone. I just want to know that I can liquefy my iPhone. We watched Snowden together. You don't get me. Uh, <laughs> so we broke up. Uh, <laughs> we broke up because I'm an asshole. It's, that's what it boiled down to. Uh, and I would never date a psychopath that thinks a Vitamix blender is better than a Blendtec blender. <laughs> I wish that guy stayed for the whole blender bit. He would have been blown away. <laughs> would have been would have been liquefied by my blender material. <laughs> Everything from here on out is just about blenders, guys. So buckle the fuck up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I don't. I wish I had more. I got. I need to like write just the whole 30 minutes on blenders and. <laughs> Do some like real, real edgy rooms. It's alt comedy, baby. <laughs> uh, I couldn't even commit to that breakup. We got back together though. <laughs> I couldn't commit. <laughs> I was like, I'm alone. <laughs> but we, when we were broken up, it was like four months. Uh, and I don't know, I don't know how the the older folk in the crowd, how you guys go about dating in this day and age. Probably do it in real life by meeting real people. 
uh <laughs> or i don't know how you th have a telephone or like i don't know you call people <laughs> the can on the string and you're like yeah, i'm trying to get fucked and then it's like <laughs> this is your childhood and then uh, i got on the apps i got on all the apps tinder bumble okay cupid hello fresh yeah don't kink shame me <laughs> don't kink shame me i don't i don't know i'm experimenting like what is a kumquat i don't know is that a sexual command or an overpriced garbage fruit? Let's find out together. <laughs> Let's go on this adventure. I got on the apps, man, and I realized, I realized at least in Portland, it might be the same here in San Francisco. I'm not sure, but in Portland, everybody is, uh, what do they call it, ethically non-monogamous these days. You guys familiar with that phrase, that term, ethically? You're, you're Greek, right? Okay, so you'll get the gist of this, because so that's just polyamory, right? The Greeks, like, they invented that, right? I'm not wrong. <laughs> Everyone's like, fucking truth bomb. Yeah, they invented that. Uh, polyamory. Is anybody in here polyamorous? Okay, statistically, that's not true. Statistically, that's inaccurate. Usually how it works out is there's, like, a, a, a straight couple, and the chick's like, no, we're not polyamorous. And the dude's like, well, I mean, she's not, but, you know, I kind of am. And <laughs> that's how that works out. I, polyamory is so funny. It's hip here, right? Pam, I'm not singling you out, but I'm just saying, like, this town's down for that. <laughs> San Francisco's a weird uh, sidebar. San Francisco, I, I, the first time I ever came out here was 2006, and I was visiting my buddy in the Tenderloin. I was walking down the street, and it was the, the only time I ever saw, I was, like, walking by a woman, and she was just smoking crack, and I was like, that's edgy. And then I was, like, I was just walking down the street the other day, and it's just all, it was, like, a woman with a, a, a yoga mat. And I was like, damn, man, San Francisco's really changed. Uh, and then I turned around and she like rolled it out and started smoking crack and I was like, it's <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, they still got it. <laughs> they still got it. They still got it. Uh, so polyamory back to where <laughs> we're polyamory. I, I don't, I can't jive with it really, but I get it. Like I get the principle. I think polyamory is a lot like communism, right? Like on paper, fairness and equality on paper, it should work out for everybody. Once you bring people in the mix, then somebody's going to get run over by a tank. You know what I mean? <laughs> An emotional tank, of course. An emotional tank, uh, unless you're dating Michael Dukakis, and then it, you got something to worry about. And I know nobody fucking laughs at that joke because we're all too young, but if you guys, eh, fuck, just go Google Michael Dukakis tank, and that joke is, like, so fucking funny. <laughs> I swear to God, it's so funny. Yeah, the one, <laughs> the guy that actually saw it <laughs> happen. Yeah, dude, he would have been, man, we wouldn't have had fucking... Bush number one. <laughs> Fucking Dukakis if he didn't get in that tank. Anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Polyamory, the tank. Oh, dating apps, man. Got on there. I matched with this girl. And she had on her profile uh, two columns. It was likes and dislikes. And under the likes column, it was like taking her dog on walks, going to the beach, margaritas with her girls i was like i can get down with all that that sounds like a fun time it's gonna be a fun date and then i looked over at the dislikes column it's just one thing small dicks that was it <laughs> what <laughs> small dicks she just it wasn't it wasn't like genocide or herpes it was just like the, the one thing in my life i don't want small dicks i get it i mean nobody likes small dicks even dudes with small dicks are like this sucks but fuck i would take you know fuck small dicks over genocide any day i <laughs> <laughs> I make that into a t-shirt. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm just thinking about the font. Uh. <laughs> it would just it would be like red comic sans probably just irritate people. But I can't I don't I don't hit on like women for what they put on their like dating profiles or say online because I know what they get in return. I have female friends, which I know sounds like something who does not have female friends would say, <laughs> but I've seen what they, they receive from dating apps. And if you're like a woman in 2019 and you like don't respond to a dude's message on like Tinder within the first 30 seconds, you just get like a hundred death threats and 30 dick pics like smattered him. Like, like he's just like trying to type out the intro to a law and order SVU script on your fucking Tinder thing. Uh, I'm going to try this last thing out. Uh, real quick, who here's been in a three-way? Yeah, a couple people. There's no joke to 